You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums. It's here before you die. Mussolini. And on the line, I have Josh. Hi. And Kyle. Hi there. Vivid is the debut studio album by the American rock band Living Color, released on May 3rd, 1988, through Epic Records. The producer was Ed Stasium and Mick Jagger, and the genre is hard rock, funk, metal, heavy metal, glam metal. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Greg Prado. In 1988, few heavy metal bands were comprised of all black members, and fewer had the talent or know-how to inject different musical forms into their hard rock sound. Funk, punk, alternative, jazz, soul, and rap. But NYC's Living Color proved to be an exception. Unlike nearly all of the era's metal bands, the group music has held up over time. Thanks to its originality and execution, Living Color Leader guitarist Vernon Reed spent years honing his six-string chops and was one of the most respected guitarists in New York's underground scene. He couldn't have done better a better job of selecting members for his new rock band as their now-classic debut, Vivid Proves. Though the album was released in mid-1988, it picked up steam slowly, exploding at the year's end with a hit single-slash-MTV anthem, Cult of Personality, which merged an instantly recognizable Reed guitar riff and lyrics that explored the dark side of world leaders past and present. The album was also incredibly consistent, as proven by the rocker Middleman, the funky, anti-racist, funny vibe, the touching open letter, plus the Caribbean rock of Glamour Boys. Add to it an inspired reading of Talking Heads, Memories Can't Wait, the Zeppelin-esque Desperate People, and two complex love songs, and you have one of the finest hard rock albums of the 80s, and all time for that matter. All right, what do we think of Living Color, Vivid? This is a fine hard rock record. Hot dog. I can cover with that. Hot dog. They this come is out a swinging damn good the, record. Uh, the first one, and it took me it took me a few listens for the rest of the tracks to like grab on. Yeah, um, but I got there. Like that, there, yeah. there's so much good. Uh, These are some rockers doing, doing some rocking. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I love that it opens with Cult of Personality. Uh, yeah. and and I agree with you guys. You know, where it, it could take a minute to sort of re-listen this stuff. And I first was thinking that going into that second one, it was going to be tough, be hard to live up to, but I want to know. It's great. Yeah, I love how like catchy that is. How that the chorus is great, uh, but it still starts like a driving rocker. As far as sequencing goes, like cult of personality could have been put in a different place on the yeah. record. I, I I would have gone track three or four. 
Really? Because I I was thinking opening Cult of Personality is like opening, you know, uh, with Welcome to the Jungle. It's just oh, like, yeah. oh, okay, it is hundred percent. Right. And then it, and then yeah. you keep it going with track two. You know, it's just like it's like a live show. It's like, oh, you know, like the vibe is still yeah. going, like the energy is still there. Yeah, this record was a blast. Um, I have to admit, I heard a lot of this before because um, my bass teacher when I was in high school was really into this band. So I had heard a lot of these songs, but it had been a long time and they sound even better. Um, They're really, this is a rock band with a groove. Rob, I remember we were talking about like a, talking about that a few months ago about like bands of grooves. This is a band with a groove. Yeah, for sure. A palpable groove. They just have a great understanding of everything that came before this and how to put it together. This combines all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it comes forward as pretty straightforward. And it, and it's it, it's very uh I would I would argue, Josh, to our ears it comes by is pretty straightforward. The critics were not nearly as kind. They they did well, not like no, no, this, no, for uh, sure. chocolate for sure. and pit, That's peanut butter being mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, I mean to to your point, like we 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 got track two in our, our cans right now and like you know, we, we go from cult of personality directed to, the, to this like thin Lizzie kind of inspired like jam, mm. which is fucking cool. Yeah, the harmonies on it. It's great. Yeah, I thought uh, I, I wasn't so impressed with track two. I thought it came across as a little bland after. I think it's just it's, the... it suffers the, the, the fate of banger V next song. Yes, it comes out so strong that I felt like this one has a little bit of a it's a little repetitive. It's got a little, yeah. It's okay. It's just, it just didn't. Uh, this one doesn't you, go on a mixtape though. You're you're gonna have a hard time. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. But, but this I, is totally track two. If you see him live, you know, like yeah. But I think this one does go on a mixtape. It's just a different type of mixtape. Sure. Okay. Sure. Because I mean, it's a just a straightforward rocker, right? I mean, it's it's not as complex. It's not as interesting. It's called a personality. It's not as important by any means. You're not but making if you it just up want like much. a fun, like outdoor summer party mix, this is a Absolutely. great one for that. Yeah. No, you're right. Smack the beach ball. Smack that beach ball. Yeah. I did have a problem with the this this album in how it sounds. It doesn't sound. Yeah. yeah I did not like the the sort of Ed Stasium. I love I love the guitar playing. I think his guitar is. His playing is wonderful. It just sounds like a highly compressed digital sort of like production. It sounds straight out of a sort of like a zoom effects pedal and just has this like real doesn't have that like the soundscape that you would want a band like this to sound to have. And we just listened to you were brought up, you know, Guns and Roses and the the re-releases and the sort of remaster of those. I mean, you you get a really good sound. This for some reason it's it's like it, it just doesn't it, come across for me as a as a real dynamic and a good album, which is such a disappointment because I feel like the playing is there. Can I can I speak to that real quick? Sure. Um, I do have like a love hate thing with Ed Stasium. Um, he's worked with a lot of my favorite bands, including uh, extensively with the Ramones and also some of Talking Heads. Because I was like curious about the production of this record. I like the production of this record. I think it's clean. Um, I think it's snappy, you know. My favorite Ramones record is Leave Home, and I have always thought the production on that record was crummy. Okay. <laughs> and that's Ed Stasium. Kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't know that until I was looking it up. I was like, oh, because he did some of their better records too, but 
Josh, I know you're a Ramones dude too. How do you, how do you feel about the production on their second record? I feel like it's muddy. I totally get what you're saying. I think comparing a band like the Ramones to a band like Living Color is is difficult for me as far as I think of ideal production is to get a particular sort of sound approach, style, whatever it is, out. I think those Ramones records, though, yeah, they could have been better produced. They get the job done. Um, yeah, I also think this yeah. gets the job done. So, uh, you know, maybe... No, I'm saying I'm I like gonna, it. Yeah, but I mean, but I, I think that that it works well enough on that record to put through what needs to be put through. I mean, he also did the Ramones' um, fourth record, uh, Road to Ruin, which is a phenomenally produced record. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, you know, what, what I, I was going to do is just blame everything I didn't like on Mick Jagger. Yeah. You only got two songs on that, bud. That's, well, uh, yeah, Glamour but one Boys of them, just wait the, until uh, we get to it. Yeah. The last track. Yeah. I liked Glamour Boys, personally. But the... Did uh, you? I, I really did. I, I like the... Um, I like the theme of Glamour Boys. I, I enjoy the... Uh, those rich kids that just kind of hung around, you know, but didn't do anything. Yeah, not a fan of that one either. This, yeah. I, I feel like this album had me up and down. It had me... Interesting. First song, great. Second song, I was a little... Eh. Third song comes on. Yeah, I'm into it. It's got that groove. Like you said, Kyle, it's got that groove. Um, And I will say exceptional playing. Exceptional playing by Vernon Reed. I mean, Jesus. I don't know. He's a fucking monster. What... I feel like he he's carrying a lot. I'm not saying that the the other band members are completely behind, but he is definitely carrying weight in this band. Yep. Mm-hmm. This band he, would not be class. even I mean, close yeah. if it wasn't for yeah. him. Yeah, I I agree with you though. I do think that the other guys are very very good. It's just hard to hold anybody to that level. Yeah, um, and that's why Mick Jagger produced this record. Is that Vernon was a studio musician on his solo record, on Mick's solo record. And so, yeah, I mean, he is out of this world. Uh, I do think, though, the rhythm section is is really amazing. Yeah. Also, he got dragged to a CBGB's by, I believe it was Jeff Beck brought Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger, you know, looked at this crazy band on stage just killing it and said, uh. Maybe I should do something. How old was Mick Jagger in 1987? Good question. 65. A million. Like 40, probably. <laughs> pro- 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 probably pushing 40. My favorite, Mi- though, I'd is... say 40s. So so Mick Jagger in his uh, in his tracksuit from Dancing in the Street. Yep. Like, doing his uh, doing his chicken walk around, his 40-year-old chicken walk. Oh, I like it. <laughs> to, yeah. to this band. I fucking yeah. love it. Yes. Yeah. Though, one thing with Glamour Boys, caught a lot of heat at the time for homophobic messaging did you all read about that at all no i didn't hear about that at all uh just as it seemed that it was like trashing gay men as like that's that's what i heard when i first heard it yeah um it's though vernon did an interview somewhat recently like you know maybe within the last 10 years or whatever and it was interesting when i read this but you know he denies that of course saying that categorically he can say it was never a part of the song Uh, but here's the interesting thing about this that i learned is that uh, so when they were opening for Guns N' Roses, Vernon actually called out Axel on the stage in front of the Guns N' Roses audience for One in a Million oh, uh, about yeah, how that, homophobic and racist it is, right? That's and so the most uh, homophobic and racist. For sure. But I thought that was a really interesting thing to, I mean, in front of the band that you're opening for, their audience, to call that out at the time. 
uh, I thought was pretty interesting. That's yeah, that's awesome. It's ballsy. Yeah, ballsy band too. Living Color seemed like they they took it real seriously. Yeah, I mean they they were fucking they were tearing it up. They like, were tearing in, it, in yeah. the uh, in the uh, the underground scene of what the hell does the underground of New York scene even look like? Sonic Youth. Cool, but like, are we talking like borough-based underground? Or because I mean, each borough is the size of a fucking city. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, it's we're, it's we're, a, it's a huge swath of different. And I think it was really interesting that they they were on MTV, right? They got a their lot. their single "Cult yeah. of Personality" on MTV. That's how I heard them. And at a time when a lot well, of people and were they, saying they won a music video award too, they were saying that no one would play black artists except they they didn't. Bowie called them out, said you're not playing black artists on MTV. Okay, so they started playing Michael Jackson, and then people were like, "Well." You're only playing Michael Jackson. What what is the difference? Like, what are you doing? Um, so Epic, you know, kind of broke it down and said, "Hey, play Living Color, Cult of Personality, or we're not sending you any more Michael Jackson videos." Wow. Uh, I think it was kind of a you know just a tease. I don't think they were serious, but at the same time, it got attention. So they started putting it into rotation at eleven eleven o'clock or after, and then everyone started requesting. Rest is history because it's a great video, great song. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they wrote it in one rehearsal, uh, you know, just one of those natural things where, you know, the singer is humming or singing some sort of melody um, and Vernon sort of flipping through, uh, you know, his notes that he just like writes down ideas after he'd come up with a riff and got the drummer behind it and uh, gave that. It's like a, it's a Khrushchev line, right? It's from the secret speech. It's officially titled on the cult of personality and its consequences about how Khrushchev was concerned with like the Joseph Stalin era. And then from there, it just went. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that guitar line going into the chorus is fun as hell. And I, I haven't quite clapped out the, the count for it, but uh, a lot of, a lot of fun riffage there. It's really good. Uh, We're listening to desperate people right, right now. And, do you guys know the story behind that one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really sad song about, like, um, substance abuse, like heroin abuse um, that they saw around New York. And specifically, it's about the death of uh, John Michael Basquiat, mm-hmm. um, who died right, like, 1988, I believe. Mm-hmm. Heroin overdose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the lead dude was super into him and was, and was crushed. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because, you know, we had covered uh, HR in a uh, bad brains eye against eye. And that gave me real eye against eye vibes. That sort of like, Oh yeah, hard, totally. hard groove. Yep. Like it's, it's, it's got that metal. Uh, it's a little almost funky. I don't know. Yeah. It, it just has that sort of uh repetitive groove with a guitar solo 
directly over it. If these kids did not see the bad brains on more than a couple they, of occasions, oh, yeah. I will eat my yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they play with <laughs> bad brains in a new music uh, seminar around 87-ish. He said it was at uh, at the Roxy in Bad Brains, Circle Jerks, Living Color, all performed. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Uh, they said they also did another show with them at the Ritz, and it was the first time they saw the, tr- quote, true power of music. Seeing people dive off the balcony at the Ritz was insane and something I that, imagine. that uh, Living Color will never forget. He said it was absolutely crazy. And when Bad Brains hit the Roxy, it was the wildest like mosh pit they had ever <laughs> seen. What track we have in our cans right now? Oh, open letter. Open letter to, to landlord. This is a very popular song, and I I understand it's yeah. kind of yeah. It's like it's, it's like, a cool track. It, it was top forty. It hit like thirty seven or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a real pop vibe. It to starts it, you know? out with that, it's poppy, uh, but it's it's math rocky too. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it it starts out with an almost like uh, Prince's version of nothing compares to you. Sure. Oh yeah, I can hear that, Rob. I love what the bassist is doing. I do not like his tone. Again, I think. I want that rubbery bass. Well, I get I get distracted just by the production. Yeah, it's it's a problem for me, and maybe it's just me. But I have. Are you saying it calls attention to itself? I th- I I can't get so invested because I continue to think about how it doesn't sound great. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, yeah. It's of the it's time. It's kind of a live representation. Or? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it might be a good live representation, but it's just, it's a tone of the of the time. Tone and, of the time. And that time mm-hmm. simply wasn't a good time for tone. Yeah. I disagree. I think what they're trying to okay. do is the Def Leppard tone. Like, they're trying to push the compression. Oh, then they're not doing it right. Into, yeah, there's definitely the some extreme, of that. But I don't think it works to their favor. How about that? Yeah, you're right. Now that you say that, yeah, I'm listening yeah, pretty closely right. now. Like the the bass is just like oh yeah, up you're right. here, yep. and it should be down here, it, it, especially for a metal band. When we're talking about any of those other, you know, no, that's reasonable. Yeah, Ed Stasium. <laughs> yeah, it uh, <clears throat> some some of some of the guitar tones remind me of um, an Ozzy Osbourne record we aren't getting, which is uh, No More Tears. Yeah. Um, with a uh, Zach Wilds like uh yeah, yeah. tone wise tone wise but i mean yeah like i mean they're motherfucker's a virtuosic like guitarist yeah. like uh, what what do you do yeah absolutely i did read too that a, a lot of bands were a little intimidated by this band and and there's been quite a few theories that you know you know they never got their due because one they're black they're all black you know hard yeah. rock band and it's a hard, it's a hard road to home. It's a, yeah. It, which is predominantly white focused, uh, yeah. for rock and roll and hard rock. But I think a couple other bands, you know, like were intimidated by them because they were so good. They're so goddamn good. Uh, yeah. Like I said, my, the, my bass teacher was introducing me jazzy yeah. Johnny G. But I think, uh, I think what was really inspiring as I started to dig in is that the Rolling Stones like really helped them, not just Mick Jagger saying, yeah, you guys are good enough. Let's do a, you know, a record, but they took them out on tour yeah. and, you know, introduced them to people and, and sort of wanted them to succeed. 
which is really great. I mean, when you think about the Rolling Stones, everyone's always like, you know, cult, they, they've taken the blues, right? They've taken away the blues and things yeah, like that. Sure, yeah. sure. But at the same time, I do feel like the Rolling Stones but time again. Always, are, always. Are, they're, they're bringing out these bands. Like, yeah. Even like the bands that they were covering, they were like, no, we're going yes. on tour like back in the, yep. the 60s. No, the Stones have always been like proponents of like, well, this is. No, you should be listening to these guys. And they're, they're yeah, they're, unlike they're Led Zeppelin. Us. Yeah, they're like, here's here's where he got this from. Yeah, but I read that uh, like Vernon Reed, like in like a 2018 interview, like said that like it felt it it, it still feels awful, like that um, like it took this like dude like Mick Jagger to like come forward and then basically so they could go to the back of the bus like on whatever label that like they got signed to. Yeah. And like, you know, because can you imagine being this fucking good in New York, like just blowing people's like faces off and it takes like mid 40s Mick Jagger? Yeah, but you got to think, Rob, this is also like 20 years after like civil rights, you know? No, no. Sure. sure. It sucks. It sucks. But I mean, just put in perspective, like imagine if civil rights got passed like 20 years ago, you know, and then uh, I'd. I know, I know Hendrix had to go to fucking England to do the thing, but Jesus Christ, he's like know, one of the best just, guitarists that ever fucking existed. Like, I'm just agreeing that it sucks. The thing that's interesting to me that, that y'all are bringing up is, to me, is, is how much when I listen to this, how much it resonates with the same issues we have now. That's rough, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, funny vibe, man. It's a fucking drag. Yeah, 30 years later to hear the same, yeah. Uh, I just want to bring it up a little bit. Uh, Living Color was also credited with breaking down racial bar- barriers in pop music. The band proved to be the first black rock group to attract a large mainstream audience since Sly and the Family Stone in the 70s. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's weird that it wasn't Funkadelic. Rock band. They don't consider rock band. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is great, though. I mean, we're, we're listening to Funny Vibe. I can see why some people are like, eh, I'm not so into this, but... I love the the sort of just groove bass. I think you hit it. You right guys, you got the video for this. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Very like of the time and and powerful and yeah. Back when Flavor Flav meant something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, loved it. I heard that the Public Enemy was just like around and they just decided to jump in the video. Yeah. Great stuff. I've used that word a ton in this, but it, it truly is. I've heard this record before multiple times and listening to it again today, it just still is impressive. And Birch brings up a good point about the production. Uh, other than that, though, I do think this is a record that I will continue to go back and listen to, that will continue to mean probably in some ways different things, but but have still the same feeling as uh, when I first heard it back in the 90s. And so uh, at least that was when I first heard it in the 90s. Um, I was not old enough to really understand it when it came out, but 
you know, there's a lot of records we've talked about that haven't aged very well. And this, I think this record has aged well, other than the production. I agree. And yeah. you know what, uh, this, this production is almost exactly what dream theaters, images and words is. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> almost exactly. I, I feel like you're, you're saying that in a bad way, but am I though? Or am I just saying it? <laughs> I really like the production on this record. I love that you love the production. Or like I know production. this happens constantly where everyone's like, this production sucks. And I'm like, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I don't think it sucks. I just think that that Birch is right. That it is, it is very specific and does, it can distract from other things that are happening. It's a, they're a better band than this. They, they deserve than this sounds. Than this sound. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm I saying. Agree. I mean, if you want to see the, like, I keep thinking of this record and, and just imagining seeing them live. Um, this sounds so compressed, dude. Listen to the drums. Okay, we're, right now we're listening to the Talking Heads cover. And it's uh, awesome. Memories Can't Wait. Yeah, Memories Can't Wait is a great cover. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to the tracks and then this came on. I was like, Lordy but Gordy. Yeah. <laughs> this is Memories Can't Wait. Yeah, it was shocking. I, I don't know if I've ever listened to this entire album and... Yeah, when Memories Can't Wait came on, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. I almost kind of like it more uh, than the Talking Heads version. I know that's going to be unpopular, but but I really like the cover of it. It fucking throws down. And it's a great example of making it their own. You know, it plays to their right. strengths. Yeah, and you can love both. And, and, and I yeah. like both songs. But I would probably, I'd, I'd be more likely to play their cover of it. This absolutely goes on a mixtape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put this on at a party. This is a party track because you have the talking heads nerds being like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then you can tell them to leave. Uh, Wimps and posers, leave the hall. Uh, Living Color Absolutely also took right. home their first of several Grammy awards as Cult won best hard rock performance at the eighty-seven uh, Grammys. Eighty-seven. Or sorry, 89. Okay, I was about to okay. say, this came out in 88. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just reading something else. Funny story. Will Cullen, his first boss was Harry Belafonte. Interesting. What the fuck? Yeah. And he was working with the Harry Belafonte when he was in a living, living color was uh, started. And uh, Harry asked him, you know, what's the band like? You know, what they sound like? And he said, oh man, I can't give, I can't give him this, living color tape like i don't think he's gonna understand wow. it's harry belafonte so he ends up giving him the tape because belafonte kind of insisted he came back to him though and said hey i just want to tell you you know this is important music and what you're doing is really important and he gave him like inspiration to I fucking love that to it's go amazing. on to keep you know to keep going on with the band and he said that was like a really when he was ambivalent on whether or not you yeah. know the band would succeed, he was like, Harry Belafonte thinks we can succeed. Of course we can. So it just like, inspired him. Rich, that just inspired me. That just warmed yeah. my heart. Wow. That's great to hear. Sometimes good things happen. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Living Color, they ended up in a lawsuit. Um, they sued Fox over their uh, late night comedy show of the same name, different spelling. Uh, back in the early 90s, Fox Television launched its own version of Saturday Night Live called In Living Color with just the the uh, 
American uh, version of color. Right, so no you. No you. No you. Uh, it garnered high ratings, but also got some attention from the rock band Living Color, <laughs> who claimed Fox ripped off their name and logo. And if you go and search Living Color versus Living Color's logo, that kind of a point, man. I mean, you could. Uh, you can this just, is preposterous. Just stare at this. Yeah. Grab, grab with your. No, hands. no, I. It's spelled differently, Rob. I mean, it's it's pretty fucking close, man. It is a very, you know... I mean, it's very of its time as well. Yeah, like, the 90s yeah. caricature, uh, was it Memphis-style mm-hmm. Pee-wee's Playhouse? <laughs> yes. So what track are we on right now? Broken Broken Hearts. Yeah, this is a, th- this has some real Faith Namor vibes. What a fun era that we're entering. A it fun is. and short-lived era. I'm thinking about the also Jane's addiction. Jane's addiction. No one brings it's, up. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, coming absolutely. right up. Yeah. Like it, this is um. This reminds me of it's like the good portion of when we were dealing with the summer of love and like all of these. Well, I mean, the psych era had to happen so we could have all this other rad shit. And mm-hmm. I think we're in the same pocket, except I'm actually enjoying the music. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there for that, but I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, the summer of love was a tough time for me. <laughs> Listen to Country Joe and the Fish and tell me if uh, Country Joe and the Fish. Give that a listen and and tell me tell me your thoughts. Country Joe and the Fish. (laughs) Sure, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, Broken Hearts is great, man. Yeah, it's great. It's a great record. Great production. Yeah, they throw in those ballads. (laughs) It's a good ballad. It's a really good ballad. So no one else like Glamour Boys or Which Way Is to America? Didn't care for Glamour Boys. Okay. Mm. Oh, yeah. I I love Which Way to America. Okay, Which Way to America was a cool closer. Yeah, yeah, I love I love the theme song too. That like minute and a half, just theme song made me up, happy. Like, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's you know, it's just a throwback to that live. That you know, would have been incredible to see a a band uh, like this live, right? And so, how fun! Thanks, would that yeah, be to Josh. That? Yeah, I always like bands that have songs about themselves <laughs> that they play live. I love yeah, the Coke Dares. Yeah, Coke Dares. I love the horrible yeah. song. <laughs> horribly wrong black Sabbath. sump pump strut yeah <laughs> no yeah yeah we don't talk about the sump pump strut some pump strut uh but i, I do think <laughs> that the up. record does does dip a little bit before it comes back in with the theme i thought this record was a fun time this is a good uh this is a good barbecue record having a barbecue throw some hot dogs on put on some living color crank up that spongy little bass I think there's that like I do love that guitar tone. Yeah, but guitar the, tone's fantastic. It's the bass it's, tone yeah. and the drums that yeah, are killing. You're right. You can yeah. it just gets better and better. I agree. <laughs> it could be better. The guitar could be a better No, you're right. Sound, you're right. But I, I, all I'm saying is that I think that like the choices are good. I think that uh, as far as like the players go, I think oh, that yeah. the guitar tone that was chosen is good. Yes. It's it's like when you listen to a wonderful you know, if we were listening to Eddie Van Halen and someone didn't do him justice by recording it well, we would yep. we would say yep. this this is what it would sound like. It's like, yeah, that's really impressive. You're doing an excellent job, but y- you don't have the the sonic impact is not quite there for me because it's it's it just doesn't come across. And that is a personal choice. Yeah, like that that that, that is that is absolutely like per listeners ears musically it can it can't be denied but 
could be tweaked, in my opinion. Uh, so how do we feel? I fucking love it, man. I, I, thumbs I, up. I love the whole Highly recommended. Um, yeah. And yeah, I would, absolutely. I would recommend more people listen to it. It had some missteps for me. I wasn't into every song, but there's definitely enough going on here that I, yeah. How many of the 11 tracks did you go, all right, um, all right? You know, I don't think I, I didn't segment it out, but I think like three or four, I was just kind of like, nah, it's okay. okay. So, you know. Yeah, eight stars. Seven. Or, yeah, see. Yeah, that, eight that, stars. That's plenty. Yeah. Which I think is, is plenty. I think Cult of Personality does, you know, okay. really push it. It carries it. it yeah, carries it's a lot it. of heavy lifting for sure. Uh, and I think a couple of the other ones, like Desperate People. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's like you have all these touchstones within the album that I think, uh, yeah, makes me ultimately positive. How about you, you guys? Positive? Yeah, for absolutely sure. positive. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, anything else before I go on? Uh, Middleman was a suicide note uh, written by the singer, and uh, then he eventually found out that being in the middle wasn't the worst spot, and he didn't. I thought himself. that, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Rob. I thought that was really cool. That was a really personal exploration about like suicide and deciding to live and being a middleman. Yeah. Yeah. First listen, I was like, "Oh, this is about drugs," and I was like, "Oh." Oh, no, this is about a teenager who wrote a suicide note. Yeah, it's a way more upbeat song than Suicide is the Key. Suicide, don't do it. Suicide is painless. It comes with many changes. All right, next time we'll be talking about Mud Honey, Super Fuzz, Big Mom. <laughs>